It's Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. July is considered Smart Irrigation Month. To celebrate Best of State Award winner, Smart Rain is giving away free smart controllers to commercial properties until the end of July. Uh, hosting costs not included. Visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333 for more information. Joining us now, he covers the jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune. Andy Larson with us here on The Big Show. What's up, Andy? Not much, Jake. How are you? I'm good. Uh, this is a weird place to start, okay? But Gordon's out of town, so that's my excuse <laughs> yeah, for yeah. doing this, all right? So we know that Austin has a really good Gordon impression. I'm working on mine. You know, we're coworkers here at the radio. Uh, we know Aaron Falk has a really good uh, uh, Gordon impression. We know Eric Walden has a Gordon impression. And so as a coworker of Gordon Monson, I'm curious, do you also have a Gordon impression? You know, I, I don't, not as good as those guys, certainly. I mean, I would, I would definitely have the worst one there. And, and that's because, you know, I joined the trip only three years ago. And Gordon, I know mostly from... The radio and listening to your guys' show rather than like actually seeing him in the office because you know he's never there. No, he is never there. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's your homework assignment. That's your homework assignment, Andy. You you work on that Gordon impression. We'll we'll break it in. I I will work on that. And you know, especially when he's out of the office, then I can then I can jump in more often. Right. (laughs) That's right. Hey, uh, what what time did you get to work this morning on the favors story? What a what a crazy uh, sleepless night for those covering the Jazz. Yeah, I mean, so I left the Zions Bank Basketball Center at about 3 last night, um, having written the Jared Butler draft story, and then I wanted to do a kind of a breakdown as well. Um, so I, you know, had to clip video and all of that. So was there for quite some time, and then, you know, ended up going to sleep, I don't know, 4 or 4.30 or whatever, because, you know, there's still actually adrenaline even at that time. Oh, yeah. And then so I set my alarm to wake up at 8 and figured, you know, hey, you know, if, if Woj breaks the news of the favors trade at 7, so be it. If we get an article up at 8, it'll be all right. And luckily, you know, Eric and Aaron had my back a little bit on that. But, like, yeah, that was – it has not ha- – there has not been a ton of sleep for this interview, which, uh, you know, may or may not make it good. <laughs> oh, buddy, you're always good. We always appreciate you jumping on. And I know you're busy, so we appreciate it even more. And um, let, let's start with the favors thing. Uh, we'll get into the draft with you as well. But I know you've done a nice uh, a nice breakdown. You're, you're kind of a math dude. But let's talk about the salary uh, ramifications of, of this move. How much exactly are the Jazz saving by moving off Derek Favors' contract? Yeah, so here's the deal. The Jazz are, are going to be in the luxury tax no matter what next season. You know, it's, regardless of whether or not they bring back Mike Conley, regardless of, you know, whether or not they use this mid-level, they, they just, because they're paying Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert these new extensions that they signed last year, the Jazz have a lot of salary commitments between them and Bojan Bogdanovic and Joe Ingles and, and Royce O'Neal and Jordan Clarkson and, and, you know, before today, Derek Favors. So the idea is that before the Jazz did this trade, uh, they would have been, if you bring back Mike Conley and use the mid-level exception, they would have been about 30 to $35 million over the luxury tax line, which means that Ryan Smith would have been writing a check for about $90 million to the NBA next year just in luxury tax payments alone. So that's not what he pays to those players. That's just what he pays to the NBA in luxury tax payments. If you subtract that, if you reduce that by about $10 million, which is Derek Favors' salary, that ends up saving you actually about $40 million off of that luxury tax bill. Now, look, I get it. You know, as, as a Jazz fan, you know, my number one concern is not going to be 
uh, Ryan Smith's bank account. I, I feel pretty confident in Ryan Smith's bank account, and I, you know, so I, I understand why fans are upset about losing a player that they that they love and care about, and you know, has has been the kind of longest tenured Jazz man for a long time, even though he spent a year away from the team. But that being said, you know, you do kind of understand from like a just a practical point of view that Ryan Smith and and Justin Zanuck look at this team and say, hey, look. Derek Favors is not worth forty million dollars, and you know we we can use that money to invest in the club in better ways, or uh, you know maybe in the future, and and you know kind of just in general be a little bit smart about how how they use money. Now that being said, you know it cost them a first round pick in twenty twenty four in order to do that, and that's that's a bummer. You know that is real draft capital loss. But, you know, that's that's kind of the, the price of doing business. You know, we've seen the Jazz do these kind of moves before. We've seen all sorts of NBA teams do these kind of moves. Even teams like the Lakers and Warriors have done salary dumps in, in recent years. So, you know, it's, it is kind of part of the deal when you're working with kind of the soft cap system that the NBA has. And, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone around the NBA was surprised by this move at all. I've been trying to figure out the best way to sum it up, Andy. Like, willingness to pay luxury tax does not mean you should be foolish. I mean, you know, I think it's a good thing that Ryan Smith is is willing to do it because a lot of times that's what it takes in the NBA is to pay the luxury tax. But it doesn't mean you should just flush money down the toilet. Right. And and look, you know, I I get Ryan being, you know, it's so, you know, if they keep everyone next year and bring Derek Favors back and, and don't do this trade today, the Jazz's payroll next year is about $250 million. I mean, it's huge, right? And, and, you know, keep in mind that the salary cap is like $110 million. So you're, you're basically more than doubling the salary cap once you're taking into account the luxury tax payments. And I, I understand, Ryan, you know, again, even with the, being a billionaire and, and, understand, and, you know, having all the money that he does and just buying the team and, and having a contending team that is really going for a championship, Kind of pull him back there and say, you know, I'm actually only going to spend $200 million on next year's team. You know, I, 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 I think that makes some sense for kind of like the financial viability of the franchise moving forward. Now, and, and, and you know, I think Justin Zanuck pointed it out last night, too. And, you know, obviously he wants to spend it in the best way possible. But he is this is way more money than jazz ownership has ever spent on the, the salaries of the team before. You know, I and, you know, I, I understand that it's a new ownership group and all that, but. $200 million is a whole new level of financial commitment that the Jazz haven't even gotten close to before. So, you know, I, it, Justin called it, he was straight up last night and just said, hey, this is awesome what Ryan's doing. Um, and, you know, I, I get it. It sounds like Spin, no one likes to see their, their favorite player gone, but um, it, it is, you know, in order to stay even semi-reasonable from a salary point of view, it was one of those moves that had to be done. And, you know, this was the player that probably affects the Jazz on the court the least out of the, the big money options that they could have moved. All right, so uh, w- with that in mind, um, Rudy Gobert did an interview with our guy uh, Chris Mannix and, and told Mannix that he had um, advocated to bring Derek Favors back last year because whenever he left the game the year before, things would come, un- come unraveled for the Jazz, which was indeed true. So where do the Jazz go at backup big from here, do you think? Yeah, you know, the obvious one on the roster is last year's first-round pick, Doka Azubuke. And, and I, I, you know, I think um, ultimately it's going to be really interesting in the summer league over the next couple of weeks to see where he is at. You know, he's recovering from this big injury, this bad, you know, sprained ankle that, that cost him several months. Um, you know, I, I don't think he was that impressive in his 
regular season or G League games when he did play. I guess it was only one G League game that he played in. Um, and, you know, so was he able to develop as a player in, you know, despite coming off the injury over the last nine to 12 months, I think is, is a real question that we're, we're going to find out over the next couple of weeks. To me, I think you look at what is a really deep free agent backup center market. I mean, I, I posted this list on my Twitter account earlier today, but just some of the names that are available for backup center, I think could do a decent job, could kind of make you feel that same kind of level of, of, you know, you're, you're not going to have a huge drop-off when Rudy Gobert is out of the game. So, you know, guys like Boban Marjanovic or Robin Lopez or, you know, Zach Collins is a free agent this year. Or, I, I mean, there are just a, a ton of these different names. Um, Kelly Olynyk is a free agent. I mean, you can go kind of in a bunch of different ways. I don't think – Ennis Cantor is a free agent. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but Tony Bradley is a free agent. I don't think that's going to happen. But there really are – you know, Alex Len is a free agent. Maybe that's a guy who could who could fill some minutes. You know, I I think it's you look at just kind of there are really 15 to 20 odd backup centers on the free agent market this year, and you think, okay, some of these guys are going to be available at the Jazz's salary slot, which is really probably the minimum or slightly more. And so, you know, I, I think it, it kind of behooves the Jazz at this point to be patient, get a good backup center, and then kind of allow him and Stokes to compete for those backup center minutes. And then, you know, if it if it turns out to be like it was two years ago and your bench is a disaster and you need to go out and get someone, then you've got the trade deadline in order to do that. But ideally, you know, you, you come into uh, the training camp with multiple different options and you kind of let them see, uh, find out what's the best fit for Quinn Snyder's system and, and who ends up, again, kind of hurting the team least when Rudy Gobert is out of the game. Well, I think Boban is obviously the answer. Uh, I think we can just close <laughs> everyone loves there. Boban, and, and and you know I would love Boban on the Jazz. Uh, defensively, he is not Rudy Gobert or Tara Favors, you know. So yeah. that's part there may of be that. Yeah, there may I, be that. I, if Boban is the answer, I think Jazz fans and me personally would be we'd be thrilled. All right, Andy, how do uh, how did you think the Jazz did last night? I loved it, and you know I I you know me Jake, I haven't been afraid to be critical of Jazz drafts in the past. You know I thought last year was disappointing. I wasn't a big fan of the Grayson Allen pick, but I think getting Jared Butler at at number forty is is just a huge win. And let alone getting a couple of second round picks and and dropping down to to get that slot as well. You know I think um, to me Butler is one of those guys that I circled as probably someone who was going to be taken well before the Jazz drafted him. You know in the uh, 15 to 20 range, and and that's kind of what smart people think about what Jared Butler can bring. I mean, first of all, just a terrific shooter, one of the best shooters I think in this draft class, maybe you know in in the top three. You know, I, I think he shot 41 percent, or sorry, 51 percent from catch and shoot threes. He shot 48 percent from 25 feet or further. This guy has real NBA range, can shoot on the move. Um, is is you know going to be able to shoot in the NBA? There's kind of really no question about it. And and so right there you have the basis for a good bench player kind of right away. And, and then so then it's about okay, can his athleticism, can his point guard skills, uh, which he showed at, at obviously at Baylor and being the tournament's most outstanding player, can those translate to the NBA as well? Or you know is it going to take a while, a little bit of time for? Uh, him to adjust to the speed of the game and the athleticism and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a, he's a pick who has a, a range between something like a, 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 just a bench shooter, which I think is, you know, kind of a Marco Bellinelli, Emmanuel quickly kind of type, 
Um, even, you know, even kind of what Trey Burke is right now is kind of the low scenario. Or, you know, he really does have the chance to be kind of this kind of Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Kyle Lowry light type where he's shooting the ball really well. It turns out that he advances his uh, point guard talent. He's, he competes on the defensive end in a way that someone like a Trey Burke never did. Um, he's got poise. I mean, he, he really is, I think, a, a really good addition to this lineup. And then, you know, you add in kind of the character factors where uh, everyone raves about his character. He's a Sunday school teacher. He, uh, you know, led a, a march last year for racial injustice. You know, he's one of those high character guys that I think really adds to this locker room. So, and, you know, figures to have a good work ethic and getting better like he did every year of his college career. So I'm, I'm really, really encouraged by this pick. You know, I think it's the Jazz got, you know, number 20, number 15 type of value at number 40. And, you know, it, it, it's, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to work out, but that range of outcomes where I'm almost certain he's going to be an NBA player on the bottom end and he could be like a, a fourth or fifth starter type at the top end is, is really, really promising for that slot. Andy Larson is with us. Um, what do you make of the health concerns that uh, were reported about uh, last night? And is that the reason he slid? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think that it is fair to concern about and, and, and clearly several teams did. I mean, look, he, he has a heart issue that was diagnosed when he was uh, actually going to go to Alabama before he, he ended up choosing Baylor. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's something that apparently cropped up as well in the, in the workout process. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that's why the NBA forwarded him to the fitness to play panel, which is this new thing that the NBA established after Chris Bosch's heart issues back in 2017. And, you know, basically they had some of the best, cardio doctors in the world look at his charts and everything else and, and try to determine whether or not he was going to be healthy to play in an NBA game. Because obviously the NBA doesn't want players to be put themselves in dangerous situations just by playing basketball. And that fitness to play panel, those doctors who looked at his, his specifics said he was good to play, that he got a clean bill of health. And so, you know, I think I understand if I were a team drafting, why that would scare me off a little bit. And yet, you know, I, I think it's kind of encouraging from a, a jazz point of view because it is kind of a all or nothing kind of thing, right? It's it's kind of Jared Butler is going to be able to play in the NBA or he's not. And the most recent doctors who looked at it said that he is going to be able to play. So it's not like an eight it's not like a thing that's going to be a a bother to him when he plays, you know. It's it's not a Achilles, it's not an ACL, it's not something like that. It's he's gonna be full blow from the beginning. It is just something that could creep up some sometime at, at, in his career. And, you know, I think ultimately, given that you're drafting number 40, where you're just taking guys who, you know, it could fail just because they aren't good enough at basketball, that's not a concern with Jared Butler. We know that he's good enough at basketball. It's just kind of whether or not the health works out. But given all the available evidence over the last four years, and again, the doctors who looked at it, I think he's a good bet to, to be able to really add to the Jazz during the course of his rookie contract and maybe beyond. All right, Andy, last thing before I let you go. Am I taking crazy uh, crazy pills again, or uh, would Buddy Heald be way better on the Lakers than Russell Westbrook? No, I'm, I'm totally with you, and it, it's classic one of those things where, like, actually it's not Rob Polinka that runs the Lakers. It's probably LeBron James, and uh, LeBron would rather play with Russell Westbrook than Buddy Heald. And, look, you know, I think Russ had a very good second half of the season, uh, is one of those guys that can put a, a stamp on a game in, in a way that like five or ten NBA guys can. 
Um, but if you look at kind of what that Lakers team could ideally use around LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it's a guy who can shoot. And Buddy Hill can shoot. And Russell Westbrook can't. And so what that means is that guy who's defending Russell Westbrook can sink in on every LeBron James and every Anthony Davis pick and roll. And so these kind of things, you know, Anthony Davis can't roll to the rim as effectively or he can't pop as effectively because this guy is going to be shifting off. Uh, Russell Westbrook's guy is going to be shifting off and helping. And, you know, LeBron James is going to see more bodies as he drives to the rim. And it just becomes really kind of complicated for them on the offensive end. And then, you know, we I think we know that Russ isn't the best defender either. So to me, I thought the Lakers got a little bit worse yesterday. And, you know, we'll see what happens with the rest of their offseason. But guys like Kuz and KCP were really useful role players for them. And so, um, you know, again, there's clearly a plan here. They only have like five players under contract right now. It, it does have to – they do have a lot more work left to do. And, you know, obviously we'll see what they do. But, like, uh, to me, that it's not a deal I would have done for sure. All right, Austin, how would it sound if uh, Gordon were thanking Andy for coming on with us today? You know, Andy, I, I just want to tell you, not only not only with your, your coverage of the, the NBA and the Utah Jazz, but all the things you're doing with uh, the COVID coverage and all that. <laughs> you're, just, you're, a, you're a hero among men, and you work for a great paper, and uh, despite what others say about you, the coffee machine, I like you. I, think, I, I feel like Gordon would also remind him of his times at the LA Times, just just you know to mention that. Well, time. I don't like to be predictable, Jake. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you know as well as Jake does, Andy. That was, I was I covered everything at the LA Times. I remember I was covering sports, and then <laughs> and then I was covering making hot dogs that one time. Yeah, and so I, time. I've been there, Andy. I've, I whatever you've done, I've done it better. <laughs> Andy, uh, really appreciate you coming on, man. Keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Our friend Andy Larson uh, covers the Jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune, and as Austin, as Gordon mentioned there, he's been a big part of their coronavirus coverage as well. In fact, I, uh, I should have mentioned this while he was on. He's got a new one uh, up today on the coronavirus, so you can check that out at sltrib.com. Andy, kind of a math guy, so the Trib wisely uh, had him put those skills to work with uh, the the biggest story to hit the country in quite some time. What we, uh, you know, what I should have also we talked about Luther Wright earlier. Back in the day when Andy and I were hosting a Saturday show together, we had Luther Wright on the air. Did you really? It was, uh, you know, who Spencer Ryan Hall is. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It was his show, Salt City Hoops. Yeah. Uh, he set up the interview as me, he, and Andy. He, Andy, and myself, I should say. And we got to talk with Luther Wright that day. That's and, pretty cool. And he talked about how great Larry and Gail Miller were to him and all. But it's just kind of full circle there. It just hit me that. Yeah, how about that? There's our guy, Andy Larson. You know, hosting my the guy. show with the. Uh, he's not really your guy, Jake. He's my guy, really. I hope he, he works he on. He yells everything person. he has to me. So, everybody at that. Uh, every I feel like all Gordon's coworkers should have some sort of impression. It's. I just told Andy as I said goodbye to him. It is kind of almost too easy, to to do Gordon, but. That's a compliment, isn't it? Yeah. Right. We'll go with that. The most sincere for, uh, form of flattery is, impersonation, right? It is. I, I, I sometimes I worry myself though, because that's exactly what Joe Gordon would have said to you: is he doesn't like to be predictable. He, he would. That's have said a that. Gordon word. That is a Gordon thing. More big show coming up next: ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.